You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Cody Davis, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your Houston Texans. You can find Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Today is Wednesday, and you guys know Wednesdays is what? Crossover Wednesdays, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, I will be joined by the host of Locked On Bills, Joe Marino, as we break down what you can expect from the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills Saturday at 3.30 inside the NRG Stadium in Houston. But before we get into our crossover episode, some injury updates regarding your Houston Texans. J.J. Watt and Will Fuller has been upgraded to active for Saturday's game. While safety, Tayshawn Gibson has been placed on injury reserve with a back injury. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined now by Cody Davis, the host of Locked On Texans, to get us ready for this wild card showdown on Saturday between the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans. And Cody, appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time here on this podcast. The first thing I want to ask you about is these two players returning from injury, J.J. Watt, wide receiver Will Fuller. Sounds like they're on track to play. What do you know about their availability for Saturday and and what type of impact can they make on this game? Yes, sir. First and foremost, Happy New Year to you and your family. Um, and um, thanks for having me on. Crossover Wednesday is my favorite time of, of the Locked On Podcast Network. But um, sticking with J.J. Watt and Will Fuller, they will be available on Saturday. And what's funny, me and my co-host John, who is not here, we talked about this a lot, um, that having Will Fuller and J.J. Watt available for this game doesn't drastically improve the Texans' chances of not only winning this game, but making it to the Super Bowl. Let's say, for example, if the Texans had, let's say, a 50% chance to win this game on on Saturday, adding Fuller and J.J. Watt possibly can bump that to 60%. It's not that much of a difference maker. However, having them both on the field, it's better than not having them at all. And, you know, first and foremost, you know, you you look at it from the J.J. Watt standpoint where you saw how much the Texans struggled to stop the run game when J.J. Watt missed the last eight games of the season. And that is really important to have him back for this game because you guys in Buffalo, you guys are one of the best running teams in the league right now. I believe you guys finished third in the in the league in rushing yards. Am I correct? Uh, I don't have that handy, but uh, pretty good rushing attack combined. You know, you think about Devin Singletary and Josh Allen's ability to to run the football as well. Uh, I just pulled it up. You guys actually finished eighth in rushing, and um, you know, so having that playing against a good offensive, a good offense in the Buffalo Bills when it comes to the running attack, having JJ Watt back is really really crucial because with JJ. He improves that front seven very, very much so. When you take a look at the first eight games of the season when he was playing, the Texans only allowed 85.3 rushing yards per game and only gave up 100 yards twice. And one of those games 
came in a loss against the New Orleans Saints. I believe they gave up somewhere like 140 rushing yards, but that kind of makes sense due to the fact that you was playing against one of the best running backs in the league in Alvin Kamara. So that's with J.J. Watt on the field. Without Watt, <laughs> it's, it's on the flip side of things. This is when things get really, really interesting. The Texans' front seven are giving up an average of 156 yards per game. They gave up over 100 rushing yards six times and gave up a total of 200 or more rushing yards twice, the most being, of course, the Baltimore Ravens when they gave up 256 rushing yards. Having J.J. Watt on that field makes that much of a difference in that front seven. You take a look at Will Fuller. Having Will Fuller on the field just opens up the Texans' offense as a whole. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Deshaun Watson. That Having Will Fuller opens up that offense so much. It just makes it more dynamic. And with you guys, as good as your guys' defense are, I believe you guys might have a problem trying to stop well, trying to determine which receiver you're going to focus more on. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins, without a doubt. But you take a look at what Will Fuller can do when he's healthy. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, the, the game when they had beat the Atlanta Falcons. He recorded 217 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So that puts every single team in a position where if you focus too much on DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller could light you up. And if you pay too much attention to Will Fuller, then that leaves Hopkins wide open. To any, and we all know what Hopkins can do. Yeah, there's no question about it. And it sounds like uh, it, there's obviously a lot to be gained by having those players back into the mix. Uh, obviously, the the catalyst for the Houston Texans, like most teams, is the quarterback. And Houston has a really exciting young one and Deshaun Watson, a, a true uh, you know, truly one of the guys that you look at the the landscape of NFL quarterbacks right now and think about the young players at the position and you put him right towards the top of the list in terms of what he's done and what you think he can continue to do in this league. How has he performed this season? How has he grown and uh, how exactly is he playing entering uh, the postseason here? You know, Deshaun Watson has continuously made improvements in his third season and Going into this season, the number one thing I wanted Deshaun Watson to do, Deshaun Watson still has to learn how to give up the ball early and stop taking so many unnecessary hits. Going into the playoffs, I do believe him not playing against the Tennessee Titans was a smart decision because the last game that he played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yes, it was the win, but he did not look like the MVP candidate Deshaun Watson that we had seen throughout the season. You take a look at his numbers from that game. He only threw for 184 yards. It was his second lowest this season. But come to find out, towards the end of that game, you saw him. You, you saw that he was nursing an ankle injury. Now, once he becomes a little bit smarter, give up the ball earlier so he won't take too many unnecessary hits, he can enter that status of elite quarterbacks, you know, the, the status where you see Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it sounds like the big thing for him is taking care of himself and and knowing when to get the ball out a little bit more consistency, consistently on schedule. So when you think about this Houston offense as a whole, strengths and weaknesses, what, what comes to mind uh, when you think about what they do well and where they struggle? Well, they struggle the most is just starting out the game so slow. The, the understand how bad they are in starting out the game. This past Sunday, in a loss that we that we suffered against the Tennessee Titans, 
this was the first time all season long that they scored on the opening drive. I don't know what it is with Bill O'Brien and his coaching staff and, and even the players out on the field. Everybody knows the first play of the game is going to be a running play. They're not going to get nowhere. It's going to be one, two, three. You're out of there. It's always a slow start to the game. Don't matter who we play, what's going on. It's the same situation over and over. I'm hoping that they can fix that on Saturday because we all know NFL playoffs is one game and you're done. And a team like the Buffalo Bills, especially how great that defense is, they need all the momentum on offense coming out of the gates. That is something that they truly need to work on is getting out the gates good. Please, no slow starts. Now, you talk about the strength of the Texans offense. What makes this Texans offense go is the fact that it's so dynamic. You take a look at what I like to call the three-headed monster in Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, and DeAndre Hopkins. That is a three-headed monster right there. You also take a look at the production that we got going on in the backfield. You take a look at Duke Johnson and Carlos Howe. And, of course, leading them on the field is Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the game today. The Texans offense can attack you in so many ways no matter if it's the receiving core what's coming out of the backfield or even Deshaun Watson himself they can attack in so many ways and it's not one-dimensional like when you look at some teams they might have you know a top three receiver in the league and all the rest of their receivers is like you know mediocre kind of subpar no you you pay too much attention to DeAndre Hopkins Kenny Stills and Will Fuller can light you up you know and, and that goes in the same same way as the backfield you know we run a dual running back option system right here in Houston with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. And once again, having Deshaun Watson out there as your quarterback can really open the doors. So let's shift gear now to the defensive side of the football. You you laid out the strengths and weaknesses of the offense. Let's do the same thing here with this defense, who I think has been a unit. They've, they've tried to bring in some reinforcements this year, but it's had its struggles. Where Where do they win and where do they fail? <laughs> The Texans defense has been a roller coaster ride all season long. And it's to the point where both John and myself, we played full goal so many times. And I'm going to start with the Texans secondary, which I do believe that is still the weakest part of their defense. We've seen it multiple and multiple times again. It's just consistency. They just cannot be consistent on the defensive side of the ball. You take a look at the defensive the defensive performance that they did against the New England Patriots. We come on air, oh man, the Texans defense looking really, really good. Then they go out and drop an egg against the the, the Denver Broncos where you let a rookie quarterback in his second start of the season light you up. It just don't make, make any kind of sense. Consistency really played a huge factor in the Texans' weakest part of their defense now you look at the strongest part to be honest I don't really think the Texans have any kind of strong part when it comes to that defense but that front seven due to the fact that we're getting J.J. Watt back the Texans when they have J.J. Watt can stop the run game fairly good so with J.J. Watt coming back that's going to be what I like to call a strong part of the Texans defense Cody, it's interesting you'd mentioned the secondary in the past defense, and obviously the stats indicate that it struggled this year. But I'm looking over the personnel, and I'm seeing 
Jonathan Joseph, first-round pick. Bradley Roby, a first-round pick. Gary and Conley, a first-round pick. Vernon Hargraves, a first-round pick. Tayshawn Gibson at safety was a pretty reasonably, you know, what he signed, like a three-year, $22 million deal to be part of this mix. And then Justin Reed, who was a promising rookie last year, it doesn't seem like it's a talent issue. There's a lot of talent in the secondary. Why have they been inconsistent? I would hate to say it because I don't like to put too much blame on the coaching staff, but you have to look at Romeo Cornell. And the perfect game that would give you an example of the play calling and the defensive schemes of Romeo Cornell go all the way back to that very first game against the New Orleans Saints. Mm -hmm. We were a Drew Brees in a field goal away from winning that game. And it's because of Romeo Cornell coverage. The fact that you have Drew Brees, you gave him uh, the the coverage that they ran. I'm, I I can't remember what it was, but the coverage literally allowed Michael Thomas and their receiving core to march down the field in less than a minute. It's the defensive coaching scheme that's making the Texans secondary just all over the place. And then to make matters worse, I'm glad that you mentioned Jonathan Joseph and Bradley Roby. This secondary. It's not going to be 100% just due to the fact that both of those guys, Jonathan Joseph and Bradley Roby, are limping into this playoff game with hamstring injuries. Well, that's going to be a lot to overcome. And uh, obviously the Bills' passing offense is definitely not the strength of the team, but maybe there's an opportunity for the Bills to get some production against uh, a questionable scheme and some banged-up players. When you think about this matchup, right, Bills, Texans, uh, winner advances, loser goes home. Who are some of those X factors that come to mind on the Houston Texans side of things? These can be offense, defense, special teams, home field advantage. What comes to mind for you, Cody? It goes back to it's not really a person. It's not really a, 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 a offensive or defensive scheme. It comes down to one thing, and that's health. And the one person that I'm looking at is Will Fuller. I believe Will Fuller's health is going to be the X factor of this game. And I only say that due to the fact that you know, you, you take a look at what I said earlier when you asked me, you know, what's the strength of the Houston Texans offense? I say that it was dynamic, but a lot of time it's only dynamic when Will Fuller is on the field. When, and having him on the field opens up the offense so much. He's a playmaker, even if he's not really out there catching the ball. Once again, the, the secondary really has to pay attention to Will Fuller because he will light you up. Perfect example, when we had one against the Atlanta Falcons, this is a guy who recorded over 200 receiving yards in that game, three touchdowns. He looked like he was on the verge of becoming probably the Texans' second all-pro receiver, and he has looked like that multiple times, but every time he goes down with an injury, it's, it seems like it's just it's, the Texans take two steps back. And to fully understand how important Will Fuller's injury is to this team, you have to take a look at his on-field and off-field production. In the 11 games that he has played, the Houston Texans are 8-3. and three. They could easily be 9-2 and two, once again going back to that um, season opening loss to the New Orleans Saints. They could easily be 9-2, and two, but... They are 8-3 when Will Fuller is on the field. They are averaging 265 receiving yards with him. Without him in the five games that he missed, the Texans are 2-3. and three. 
and they are averaging a total of 222 receiving yards. Once again, having Will Fuller out there really makes a difference. And not only do he needs to be out there, he needs to be healthy. Now, he took some time off. Hopefully, he's at least 75% ready to go. If we can get at least 75% of Will uh, of a healthy Will Fuller, not just Will Fuller, but a healthy Will Fuller, I do believe the Houston Texans can make some noise. But if they don't, it's going to be a sad day in Houston. To kind of wrap things up here, Cody, uh, when you think about this matchup with the Bills, is there anything about the Buffalo Bills specifically that gives you uh, concern entering this game? <laughs> yes, sir. Once again, that's defense. <laughs> you you guys have one of the best defensive teams in the league. And, you know, you guys can stop the run game and you can stop the receiving core as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Houston Texans are going to attack that. because. Now, Joe, I want to talk to you. You know, I mention this a lot is that is that Buffalo Bills defense. And um, I just want to ask you, what makes the Bills defense so dynamic and just so good? You know, Cody, it's a it's a mix of a lot of things. And it comes down first that they're talented. They have really good players. Um you look at all three levels of the unit and you've got a lot of first round picks. Uh, you know, Jerry Hughes on the defensive line, Ed Oliver, Star Latoule, Shaq Lawson, all first round picks. Jordan Phillips, uh, a second round pick of the Dolphins, who is nine and a half sacks this year. On the second level, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, who are a really exciting young pair of linebackers off the ball. And then the secondary, you, you look at Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, and uh, looks like Kevin Johnson, a guy you're familiar with, will be the other cornerback. And, and there's just a lot of talent there. And then you you take this talent that the Bills have built up over the last you know, three off seasons, and you give it to Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, two of the best defensive minds in football, and it's really exciting. What I think it makes it go another step further is that you hear probably a lot of stuff about the culture in Buffalo and how much um, Sean McDermott has impacted this franchise as a whole. And it really starts from these guys really being a close-knit, tight group that love playing football for each other. Their families love interacting with each other. It's just a family atmosphere in Buffalo. And I think what that does, Cody, is it provides this opportunity for these players to perform at their optimum level because it's not just about their career or, or playing for the fans. It's about not letting each other down and being accountable and being 111th of the defense. And so I know I gave you some buzzy phrases there and some coach speak almost, but <laughs> the reality is there's a culture in place here that really gives these guys a chance to perform at their highest level. And then you combine that with good coaching and a good scheme and good players. And you've got a difficult defense to deal with um, specifically, you know, you talk about specifics, why they're very effective on the field schematically, you know, they're a very good disguise defense. If you've obviously the bills play the Patriots a ton being in the AFC East and you hear Tom Brady talk about the challenges of facing the bills defense, he'll tell you they're so good at disguising coverage. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, the safety tandem—they don't give you anything pre-snap. You know, it's it, they have—they give you false pre-snap reads. They don't give you any indicators, and there's a lot for you to process once the football is snapped. And it's not that it's this exotic uh, pressure packages or anything like that that you have to deal with, but how they choose to bracket certain route combinations and how they choose to bracket—you know—different formations and um, all those types of things and where their safeties are at the snap and where they are post-snap, it's just a lot of confusion. And it causes these quarterbacks to get uncomfortable and they can't really go where they think they want to go with the football. And 
they think something's going to be open, but the way the coverage rotates, it's not orthodox, so they don't know what to do. And um, it's it, it, that really sets up everything. No, they're not the greatest defense in terms of stopping the run per carry, but when it comes down to the NFL and today's football, we all know it's about passing the football. And the Bills know how to stop teams from passing the football, and uh, they create a lot of problems. They make you earn everything. You know, nothing comes easy against the Bills' defense. They don't give up a lot of big, explosive plays. And when you have to execute play after play after play after play with all the things I just talked about, it becomes difficult to score points. And and um, you know, really, really exciting to to think about this Bills' defense and how well it's performed, and you know, just the talent and, and scheme and coaching that can continue to make this an even better unit going forward. You mentioned um, talent, you know, about how talented this um, Bills defense is. But the offense is – is it, it may not be as talented as the defense, but the offense is pretty talented. And you guys have a running back that I'm really interested in. I saw what he was able to do in his rookie season, and that's Devin Singletary. Can you just talk about the challenges of uh, of a guy and, and one – as a fan, how great it is to have a guy like Devin Singletary when you look at the Buffalo Bills towards the future. And two, what kind of challenges he could face playing against the Houston Texans? Well, yeah, Devin Singletary's played really well. And, um, you know, if he he had a hamstring injury early in the season um, and he was kind of finding his way sharing some sharing the backfield with Frank Gore where, you know, if he would have probably played a little bit more early in the season, we'd be talking about him as a potential offensive rookie of the year candidate you know, over five yards of carry this year. Um, and what it comes down to is, is he's got really good vision. And he's got really good contact balance and he's really creative. You know, he's, he's very shifty and elusive in a phone booth and tight quarters. This is a guy that has unbelievable juke moves and spins and just the way he sets up tacklers. It's just tough, tough to square him up. And, um, you know, he's, he's sees the football field so cleanly. And then he's, he's just, short. He's just not very tall. And I think that gives him an advantage because he's hard to find behind these, you know, six, four, six, five offensive linemen that are blocking for him. And you combine that with really good vision and it's just tough for, for guys to get their hands on him. And it's not that he's a good athlete. You, you, that's kind of the funny thing about Devin. Like he, he creates a lot of explosive plays, but he's not very fast. And I think as soon as you start watching him run the football, you'll, you'll realize that he's just not moving that fast, but he sees the field so clean He's quicker than he is fast, so he is really kind of shifty and dynamic in tight quarters. Um, but he's just tough, tough to find, and then he's tough to bring down. And um, you know, he's had a really good rookie season. He progressed very nicely coming out of Florida Atlantic, and um, he, he's really, he's really kind of taken this backfield by the horns, right? I mean, when he got into town, you know, Lashawn McCoy and Frank Gore were the two guys on the depth chart in front of him. Well, here we are going into the playoffs, and Devin Singletary is the focal point of the Bills' rushing attack. You know, it was funny when you guys released LaShawn McCoy and um, I saw this rookie named Devin Singletary. I'm like, why would they release LaShawn McCoy just to give this rookie a chance? And from what I've seen, you guys made a really good decision. <laughs> yeah, and LaShawn, I think uh, I think he was owed $9 million, uh, you know, if he were to play the season. And, and just, mm -hmm. you know, look, the Bills have plenty of cap space, just like Houston does, but that's bad business, right? <laughs> At this point in the deal, man, you can't pay shady nine mil. Um, and so the, the, just from an economic standpoint that worked out, but you know, Devin's really come along nicely. I was nervous about his acclimation to the NFL coming from Florida Atlantic uh, mm -hmm. because of some of the stuff I talked about, just that he's not the greatest overall athlete 
and, and how his game was going to translate to the NFL level, but he's done it very well. And I think the Bills have their guy moving forward at running back. What about Josh Allen? You know, this is a guy who, in my eyes, have had a pretty solid season here in 2019. So can you just talk about Josh Allen's season and how is has he's been playing heading into the playoffs? A lot of growth, Cody. A lot of growth this year from Josh. Um, a much more efficient passer, really emerged as a short to intermediate passer. And I think a lot of that comes uh, from a guy like Cole Beasley, who's in the mix now, a really important slot receiver for this team. Um, but, you know, last year we watched Josh Allen in his rookie season, and he was just kind of run around, make some crazy plays with his feet, and then chuck it down the field. And what he's become is a much more nuanced quarterback, and he challenges the short to intermediate areas quite effectively. He's much more calm in the pocket. Game's really slowed down for him, and he's improved his decision-making. He's really improved his turnovers. Uh, that was a big knock on him last year and then in the first you know few games this uh, of this season. But that's you know after that Patriots game in week four where he turned over the ball, I think, four different times, he's really changed the narrative and took care of the football. Um, the big thing for, for Josh moving forward and hopefully for the Bills side of things uh, this weekend is that he he becomes a more consistent deep passer. Everybody knows about his you know rocket launcher of a right arm, but you know he's not been very accurate throwing the football down the field. And you know you kind of you, you get disappointed in that because he can throw it so far and he can throw it so hard, but he's just not accurate down the field right now. And so as good as we've seen him grow and become in terms of the short to intermediate areas of the field, the big thing for Josh Allen moving forward is that deep accuracy. And if if that starts clicking, it's going to become a, a quite a difficult offense to defend because of how many ways they can beat you. And right now it's that vertical passing game that's just not there. But he's very he's become quite efficient and uh, really good in that uh, intermediate range. You know, I hear a lot uh, when you're talking about the Buffalo Bills offense. You know, I always hear, you know, their offense not that good. Their offense is this, their offense is that. But when I look at when I look at you guys on paper, especially the receiving core, you guys have two receivers that you know, I talked about the inconsistencies of the Texan secondary, but you guys have two receivers that I think might make it pretty hard for our secondary, and that's John Brown and Cole Beasley. So can you just talk about what you've seen from them this season and what kind of challenges do you think the Houston Texans might face when playing against those two guys? Well, John Brown, a career year for him. You know, he's kind of a guy that people thought of as just as a vertical speed guy. Let him run in a straight line and throw the ball and see if he can get underneath it. Well, he's become a complete wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. And and what I mentioned earlier about Josh Allen becoming a more effective short to intermediate passer, that's because John Brown's a good route runner in that area of the field. And they've really kind of got on the same page. And you know, John Brown had over a thousand yards this year. He's the true number one receiver for the team. And um, you know, very pleased with with what he's done for this offense and what he's meant for Josh Allen. And just uh, he's a guy that can shake you in, in coverage. He's a guy that knows how to get loose and separate and give Josh Allen a, an available target. Uh, and that's a big upgrade over last year when it was Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. So um, <laughs> that's quite the upgrade. And then you think about Cole Beasley. He's that, you know, you, you guys know Cole and, and these types of slot receivers that are just really shifty and know how to cr- get open and create space. And, you know, if you get him on an option route, uh, 1v1 over a safety or a linebacker, it's going to be game over. And the Bills have found ways to to get him involved 
on third downs and, and um, he's always open. He just finds ways to get open. And I think that's the biggest thing with those two guys in this bill's offense and how it's grown from last year to this year is that there's receivers that can get open. And, and the two guys that really transform that group are John Brown and Cole Beasley. Now the, the rest of the, of the group is interesting because, you know, Duke Williams is a fan favorite. He's physical. He's, he had a hundred yards last week against the jets and he had a big game against Tennessee uh, back uh, after the Bills lost to the Patriots in week four. But, uh, you know, he's not active every week, and, and and we'll see what his role is on Sunday or Saturday if he even gets to play. Isaiah McKenzie's kind of that space gadget type player. They like to get him in some jet motion, giving the ball on some shuffle passes, uh, reverses, uh, stuff like that. And then, you know, the, uh, you know we don't know if Andre Roberts is going to play. So it, it is the John Brown and Cole Beasley show when it comes to the Bills wide receiver core, and they've meant a lot for Josh Allen in this passing offense. Before we get out of here, um, you know, here with the Locked on locked Over crossover edition with Locked On Texans, we like to do score predictions. So first wild card game on Saturday, ESPN, three – what is it? 3.35, 3.30 here um Houston, Texans time. So when it's all said and done, what will the final score look like? Well, if if I want to find optimism for the Bills in this game, first of all, this game is played in Houston. And and um, you know, the Bills are six and two on the road this year. The road road games have been no big deal for the Bills. <laughs> they, they've 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 went out and won. I mean, that's a franchise record, six wins on the road this year. I mean, that's uh, pretty impressive uh, how this football team has been able to go on the road and find success. Um, you think about the Bills, the, the the weakness of the Bills team is its offense. It's 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 an opportunistic unit. They can create some big plays, but you know they're not always the most consistent. And you get excited about some of the stuff you talked about with that Houston defense and how inconsistent it's been. I think it's it's not really rushed the passer well this year. Um, so you feel like there's going to be some opportunities for this Bills offense to make some things happen defensively. You know, the thing about the Bills is it, they've been able to match up with just about everyone on, on, on from the defensive side of things, except for the Philadelphia Eagles, who just had their way running the football against the Bills. But even like the Baltimore Ravens, Bills were able to control Lamar Jackson in that offense. And so that gives you a lot of, of hope in terms of it being able to slow down Deshaun Watson. You know, for me, the X factor – in the game is Deshaun Watson, who, I mean, let's face it, going back to Clemson has been the ultimate gamer. I mean, this guy shows up in big moments over and over and over again. And Josh Allen, this is his first career playoff game. And there's been times this year where Josh Allen on bigger stages hasn't come out and played all that well. I think about the Baltimore game, uh, which it was uh, the Bills were kind of right in the in the thick of it for a potential, you know, top two seed in the AFC playoffs. Think about the Pittsburgh game, which was a a Sunday night football game. Josh was okay, didn't play his best. Think about the first Patriots game. He didn't quite play his best. The second Patriots game, which was a Saturday primetime game, didn't play his best. And so I'd still get nervous about Josh Allen in these big moments. Now, the Dallas Thursday Thanksgiving game, I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but my goodness, Josh oh, Allen. Oh, yeah, had I a saw that. Day, right. So, so like that was that moment that proved to me, whoa, Josh Allen's going to be okay in the spotlight. But by and large, his resume under the spotlight has not been very good. And so, you know, you kind of work all those factors together and I have a lot of optimism for the bills, but am I going to get, am I going to get a Josh Allen performance that's capable of winning a playoff game on the road? I think at the end of the day, it comes down to that. And I think the rest of the factors that I mentioned certainly gives the bills a good chance in this game. But, uh, you know, I, (laughs) it's hard, it's hard for me just 
with the uncertainties that come with with Josh Allen in the big moments. Mm, uh, so you, want, you want a score prediction for me, but I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't give it to you. I, I, I got to get, I got to think a little bit more about this game and I'll give my listeners on, uh, on locked on bills that answer on Friday. And what's funny, I actually had the same type of answer for you. If you was going to ask me, because I'm looking at a, a situation where it's like you guys offense, you know, it's not the greatest offense, but I'm just I I just don't know if the Texans defense are going to show up enough to be able to keep you guys from scoring. Then you look at it on the flip side of things. Yes, we have um Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller is he's healthy in 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 our backfield. But you guys defense from the front seven to the secondary is very very good. So it's this game is going to come down to which teams worse can be the best and what i mean by worse can be yeah. the best is will the bills offense outplay the texans defense or will the texans defense outplay the bills offense so i'm happy that you did not give a score prediction because i'm not <laughs> going to give one i still gotta think maybe you know when i talk to john tomorrow on our show before the week over with maybe john can talk to me of how the texans can finally pull off a a, a win a playoff victory. You know, we only had one playoff win and that was against the Oakland Raiders in 2015, but that was against a Raider team who was playing without Derek Carr. And yeah. I don't know if you remember, that was the year Derek Carr was basically the MVP of the league that yeah. year. So, yeah. Was Matt McGlynn started that game for the Raiders? Um, that Penn State I, backup quarterback? Or was I it believe Connor so. Cook? Yeah, Something no, like Cook, it was Cook. It was Cook. It's Connor Cook? Okay. Mm-hmm. So there, there it is. I mean, I think we both. Uh, I think you summed it up really nicely there, Cody. It's is can the the weakness for each team overcome the other one, and and, and they go up against each other, right? It's the oh, Bills' yeah. offense versus the Bills' defense. I feel and look, I I have a ton of respect for Deshaun Watson, and I have a ton of respect for Nuke Hopkins and and some of the other players on this this Texans offense, but. I think it's I think it's logical to believe that the Bills defense is going to show up and play well. I think there's only been one opponent this year that has scored more than 24 points against this defense. And and I, I'm not ready to say that the Houston Texans are going to be team number two to do that. I think you make a good point there. This is about which unit can be better on Saturday, Bills offense or Texans defense. Listen, you guys held the Baltimore Ravens to 24 points. Not only that. You guys held the Baltimore Ravens to 118 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson only had 40. Mark Ingram had 50. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. you guys can do that, what, what, what scares me the most, if you guys can do that to the Baltimore Ravens, arguably the best team this season, there's no telling what you guys can do to the Houston Texans. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it's the truth. <laughs> Well, Cody, I, I appreciate this uh, this conversation and um, looking forward to the game on Saturday. Yes, sir. Good luck. And once again, Happy New Year. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. <laughs>